Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All right, hey everybody, my name is Jacob Sundstrom. I am the managing editor at fearthefin.com. Joined today, uh, will be at least shortly, by staff writer uh, Marcus White, who was at the game last night. That's a 3-2 overtime win for the Sharks. Kevin LeBanc with the overtime winner. Uh, Marcus has also been at a myriad of the the training camp practices, and I believe also the inter-squad scrimmage over the last week, so we're going to kind of get his perspective not only on last night's game, but also on, uh, you know, kind of the, where the team stands as of, as of right now. Uh, so assuming that I'm not, uh, not screwing this up too badly, uh, Marcus, are you there? Hmm. Maybe, mayhaps. All right. So I did, I did, I did screw it up. So that's, that's, it's still a work in progress with the, uh, uh, blog talk radio thing. So hang tight with me while I figure out what uh, what what exactly it is that I uh, that I screwed up. In the in the meantime, other uh, goal scores for the Sharks last night were Barkley Goudreau and Tommy Wingles. Uh, David Schlemko also had an assist. I think two assists actually on both the OT winner and on Tommy Wingles goals. All of those things are you know uh, can be seen at least as uh, small positives. Uh, you know, in 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 all fairness, the Canucks lineup that was iced last night. Is not uh, not not great. Um, so this is I wouldn't take this necessarily as a uh, a huge great sign of things to come. But the Sharks did outshoot the Canucks 33 to 15, and that was without getting the lion's share of the power plays. The Canucks went over five in the man advantage, but the Sharks went over three. Uh, neither of those things are all that surprising. You know, uh, neither of these teams are playing anywhere close to what you're going to see on opening night, and that goes all the way down to the power plays. As such, uh, you're not going to see a whole lot of cohesion on those power plays because these guys just haven't really practiced together all that long. Um, that's just kind of the way that that goes. Uh, yeah, but the uh, Sharks had a pretty commanding lead on shots in that first period. I believe it was fifth carried over from that point forward. Uh, I know that uh, – <clears throat> Excuse me. That uh, t- Tommy Wingle had a decent game, which is great. He had five shots on goal. That's something that uh, you know he he knows that he's going to need a, a bounce back season, maybe even a bounce back training camp if he wants to stick around with the team long term. The the biggest takeaway for me from last night is uh, that the San Jose Barracuda, like I've said all year, are probably going to be really really good this year. Uh, you know there are a lot of guys on there uh, that you know on this team last night that, you know, maybe uh, aren't going to make the Sharks, certainly not at the training camp, but uh, will be really good for the Sharks going forward. I mean, guys like Kevin LeBanc, who really doesn't have much of a shot at making the opening out right roster. Uh, Ryan Carpenter, who's obviously the leading goal scorer, leading scorer, I believe, I think also goal scorer for the Barracuda last year. Um, even guys like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Sorensen, who I think uh, – you know, uh, is, is not really NHL ready, but is real, real, real fast. And if he ends up with the Barracuda, that could be, you know, a pretty exciting player. Uh, anywho, as such, yeah, I mean, for the Canucks last night, we're talking about uh, a top line that included former Shark 
James Shepard and not to, uh, uh, to uh, you know, diminish what, what his uh, ability was while he was with the Sharks. Uh, that's uh, that was a number one winger, not number one center. I, I misspoke. But, yeah, I mean, that gives you an idea of the kind of roster that I think. Uh, all right, we, we do have Marcus here now, and wait for it, wait for it. Marcus, are you, are you Hello. with us? Hello. I am here. Great. Wow, the mysteries of internet radio. Okay, <laughs> uh, so now that I've uh, wasted five minutes talking about a game I didn't see, why don't you tell us a little bit about what happened last night? Well, for somebody who didn't see it, you did a really good job uh, describing it. Uh, these are two rosters that you know are pretty much – far from uh, NHL caliber, very different than the one the Sharks iced when they last played at the SAP Center in June. I think only four players from that game played in this game tonight, or last night, excuse me. Uh, But the Sharks looked really good. Uh, There were definitely some positive signs. Uh, I think it's hard to evaluate how well they played because of the level of opposition. Um, Power play, as you said, lacking a lot of cohesion. A lot of those guys... uh, probably aren't going to get any power play time in the regular season with the Sharks. Uh, a lot of them could play with the Barracuda, but, you know, you had guys like Matt Nieto on the second unit power play and uh, Jeremy Waugh quarterbacking that unit, who actually looks pretty good, but, you know, like guys that you don't figure to factor into the power play at the big level. Um, there were some positives. David Schlemko, I think, got better as the game went along, as did Brandon Dillon. Uh, Dillon struggled a little bit with uh, Bo, Bo Horvat a little early on. He got absolutely walked on the first goal uh, with a stick-handling move, and then Horvat nearly walked him again for another goal in the second period. But he got more solid as the uh, game went along, and then obviously Schlumko's puck-moving ability standing out, getting two assists in that game. Uh, level of competition wasn't, you know, the best, but I think it was a good start for the Sharks and a good chance to see could have a big impact in the future, like uh, Jeremy Waugh and, as you mentioned, Kevin LeBanc, who scored the game winner and had an assist. Yeah, I know that uh, the kind of a uh, common uh, thing is that usually defenders are a little bit further behind uh, offensive or forwards. You know, at the beginning of the beginning of the year, that's not super uncommon. So uh, that's what I'm going to tell myself now because the idea of uh, the Sharks' big <laughs> defensive free agents signing and getting walked by Bo Horvat twice is uh, terrifying. It was Dylan uh, who got walked. Dylan who got walked. That's oh right, Dylan. Oh, that's absolutely even worse. Uh, great, great. No, I feel better now. Thank you. Uh, we also saw two different goalies uh, in that for the Sharks, uh, both Troy Grosnick and Mantis Armalis, uh, neither of whom I really expect to uh, start with the Sharks this year. My, my guess is that Aaron Dell is going to be the backup. I assume, and, and you can, I'm sure, shed some light on this, that Troy Grosnick's really the, the competition for Dell there. Yeah, I would, I would think so. That's the way at least it's been framed. Uh, you know, by some of the writers. I think Armalis is, is probably technically in the competition the same way that Alex Stalock competed with uh, Martin Jones last year. But, uh, you know, based on Dell's performance last year, I'd imagine it's his job to lose. Pete DeBoer even said to us one day that, you know, Dell's performance last year is definitely going to be taken into consideration. It's not going to be discarded, but it's mostly a clean slate for these guys. Uh, you know, I think it was really hard to evaluate how either of them played last night. They didn't face uh, a ton of shots. Uh, I think Grosnick got scored on on his second goal. It was really kind of a hard goal to to stop on his end. As I, you know, as I mentioned, Horvat kind of walked Brendan Dillon, gave the gave the pass over to uh, Jake Bertanen, who you know perfect pass off pads and the puck bounced right 
to Bo Horvat. Uh, maybe you'd like to see his rebound control be a little better, but, you know, DeVore said he was pretty happy with the performance of the defenders last night. And then Armalis comes in, comes in cold, has to warm up quickly, and then doesn't face a ton of shots. He gets beaten on a on a short side effort that he probably would have liked to have back. Uh, it looked like he was beaten through the pad. He couldn't seal his uh, his pads, something that he's worked on a lot this week with goaltending coach Johan Hedberg. You know, you see Marmolis and after drills, he's, you know, kneeling at center ice and, and Hedberg is like quickly moving his pad to make sure he's sealing the five hole. So, you know, I think it was a bit of a mixed bag for the goalies. I think DeVore was happy, but I imagine they're the tandem to start the year with the Barracuda. Uh, and what's your sense of who's going to be the, the starter there? Do you assume that'll be Troy Grosnick? Will get, I mean, regardless of training camp performance, will at least get the starting job to, to oh, go, or do you think they're going to go more of a 50-50 type thing? I don't know exactly what the what they, what they the deal is with that. I know they went 50-50 pretty much last year, even though Dell was clearly the superior goalie. Yeah, they Dell kind of took the reins uh, down the stretch, it seemed like, in talking with some of the people that covered the Barracuda last year. Uh, I'd imagine at least to start, you know, preseason – they're probably going to get an equal share. Uh, but we know how much Roy Sommer loves, you know, his guys, his players. And I think he's, you know, familiar with Troy Grosnick at least. He's, I think, coached him in AHL for at least two seasons now, if not three. So I'd imagine Armalis will be the one to be uh, to be worked in, uh, you know, later on, which is, I guess, to be expected because he's new to the organization and new to, new to North American hockey. But, you know, I – I'd imagine it'll be a tandem or Grosnick starting. I'm not really sure our models would start. All right, fair enough. Yeah, well, if there's one thing I like to hear about my uh, head development coach is that he plays favorites. Incredible. Uh, all right, <laughs> exactly. so uh, who are uh, – how about some other how about some other standouts from last night? I know that, you know, this morning you uh, wrote about Kevin LeBanc and Tommy Wingles. Um, were there any other guys that in particular to you that uh, stood out last night? Uh, Nikolai Goldobin, I thought, had a really good game. Uh, he didn't score, but he did just about everything else. Uh, him, Tierney, and Wingles really had some good chemistry. Uh, they've been playing with swords and Tierney and Wingles. And, you know, Wingles told me after the game that Goldobin gives them a little bit of a different look. There's a lot less speed, but there's a lot, you know, a lot of skill on that line. He said that uh, Goldobin has the skill of a high-end NHL player. Uh, I think he had a good game. He didn't score, but, you know, created a lot of chances, looked dangerous, might have been the partially the level of competition, but, you know, I think if he doesn't make the team out of camp, he's going to be a guy that kind of bounces back back and forth between the AHL and could have a really nice year in the AHL, which would be good for his development. Uh, Mirko Mueller, I thought, also had a really, really good game. I think he was at like 80% uh, score in venue adjusted even straight possession, which is, you know, kind of absurd. Uh, he looked really assured defensively, looked very sound. Uh, positionally, made a, made a nice play to – disrupt a, an outlet pass at the blue line. He knew when to pinch, and, you know, I think all of his outlet passes were really good. The only time he couldn't clear the zone was on a penalty kill, and, you know, it's hard to clear the zone on a penalty kill sometimes. Uh, I think Goudreau also had a good game. Barkley Goudreau, uh, you know, one of the best names in the organization, had one of the best games last night, scored a beautiful goal. LeBanc, you know, threw him a pass from the point, and Goudreau seemingly had all the time in the world and was able to, you know, gather the puck, spin, and go five-hole. Um you know, he's, he's kind of impressed me in camp a little bit. He's played a lot of, a lot of penalty kill. I think uh, he probably wasn't ready for the NHL when he first came up uh, two years ago, but I think last year playing in the AHL a lot, being an AHL all-star helped him, and I think he's another guy you can see not necessarily make the team right out of camp, but, you know, 
bounced up and down between the Barracuda and the Sharks, especially because you can play the penalties, penalty kill, excuse me. And, you know, if the Sharks have any injuries there, uh, they might want to use him. Ryan Carpenter looked good on that line with him and LeBanc. Uh, there are a lot of solid performances across the board. I think, you know, they, I think very few, I think only three or four of the Sharks players were negative in possession. And even then it was like 45% to 55%. So uh, a lot of impressive performances, but I think, you know, I'm not really sure how much bearing it's going to have on the competition because, like you said, like we've said, the Canucks team they played was really, really bad. Uh, right. So one more note on last night I wanted to make. Uh, in the ongoing uh, battle for the souls of the center position to the third-line center of the San Jose Sharks, yes. uh, Chris Tierney playing against um, um, the Utica Comets uh, had yeah. went 6-for-16 in the face-off circle, which uh, – yeah. You know, I, I'm not a huge face-off guy. I don't think it's particularly all that important. But if you're going to be a third-line center and you can't win more than 50% of your draws against a bunch of scrubs, then uh, I'm, it's, that, that's concerning to me. That would be a, a place uh, of concern. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know so, Charity's face-off percentage from last year, but I'd imagine, you know, you know, I'd imagine DeBoer will think highly of those face-offs, uh, even if we don't, and you know, we're not convinced of the. Uh, so I do wonder if, if that's going to mean Tomas Riddle gets the third line center. Look, look, he's played he's played center a lot this camp, uh, and I think that's partially with due to so many guys missing. But uh, I think Pete DeBoer is absolutely considering playing Hurdle down the middle at least to start the season. Yeah, it's uh, that's definitely one of those interesting battles where I. Uh... I, I really think that, you know, that Hurdle's obviously the, the guy or whatever, but uh, you always get concerned when you hear how positively guys like DeBoer talk about how Tierney played at, a, you know, center in the playoffs when really, A, he didn't play that well, and B, he played an extremely sheltered minute. So you never know. It's the NHL. They're not telling you everything that they, uh, that they think or know, obviously, so I'll try not to leak too much into it. Uh, okay, let's move on to training camp as a whole. Uh, you know, over the past uh, whatever week or so that it's been, I guess a little bit less than a week, uh, who is who is the guy you know that you feel like coming to the camp? Maybe a fringe guy, whatever that you feel like you know has the best chance. I'm not saying a great chance, but the best chance of uh, of making the opening night roster. Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, you know, we've talked about we've talked about some of them. We talked about people like Goldobin. Uh, I wrote about Marcus Sorensen and his speed, but you know, I think I'd imagine at least to start the year he'd be in the AHL. Honestly, I think if if there's going to be any surprise, it could. Uh, come on defense. Uh, he's spoken pretty highly of DeMello. He said uh, last year that they were basically ready to use DeMello at any point during the Stanley Cup playoffs. They obviously didn't. But, uh, you know, he said that – and he's also said that Mirko Mueller kind of needs to take that, that step that Dylan DeMello did last year. Uh, I think those guys have had a, had a really good camp. I'm not saying the defenders in front of them have had a bad camp, but, you know, it's if you're looking at, you know, some of the guys that you might not have expected to kind of be in the mix, I, I think they're going to last pretty long in the camp. I think they're going to get a long look. You know, DeBoer's talked about how, how contracts don't matter. Uh, you know, Timo Meyer looked good before he got sick. Uh, I'm not sure how much that set him back. I'd imagine they're going to try and get him a look with some of the Sharks' uh, top players when they come back, and the same with Bull Dobin. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be the usual suspects, the guys we've talked about a lot. I think, I think Meyer's got a chance for sure. Uh, I do think, though, on the back end, surprisingly, those are the guys that might be in the mix a little bit longer. I don't think they're going to join uh, the Barracuda camp until, you know, possibly the very end. 
Yeah, I do think it's interesting because like, I've heard DeBoer say that before, that, you know, oh, you know, we were ready with DeMello. We were ready to pull the trigger. And it's like, Jesus Christ, what were you waiting for then? All right. What did Roman <laughs> Polak have to do? Literally put the puck in the shark's net. Uh, yeah. I always question that because, like, if you were really, really ready, then guess what? Uh, Dylan DeMello would have been playing out there in game three of the Stanley Cup final. But neither here I agree, nor right? there. Right. No, yeah. I mean, I know we're on the we're, we're on the same page there. I mean, listen, even if, uh, good Lord, could have been literally anybody out there, and I would have given him a look if you felt that they were healthy and ready. Uh, yeah, I agree. I'm fine. It's everything's fine. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, speaking of Timo Meyer, uh, so what's 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 the deal? Well, he just seems to have kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, so maybe, I mean, sick allegedly, and apparently actually sick if this has been a multiple day thing. What's the uh, what is the update as of today? Yeah, I, uh, I'm gonna. We nobody asked. I did not, did not ask uh, Coach DeBoer after the game, uh, nor did I ask him after practice yesterday. That's a failing on my end. Uh, Jesus Christ, expected, what are we paying you for? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I expected Timo back yesterday because Pete said he was going to be back. Um, you know, there's. I think he's just sick. You know, they they don't sound too concerned about it. I think it's you know. Probably maybe something that will keep him out, you know, a little bit longer than was previously expected. Maybe they want to make sure he's not contagious or get him on antibiotics if he has something like that. I, I'm not sure. Sharks, The Sharks have not confirmed exactly what he has. Uh, there's been some whispers, but, you know, I don't I, – I have no confirmation as to what he has. Um, you know, he, he's under 21, so hopefully it's not uh, a three-day right. long hangover. I'd imagine it's not. Um, but I think he's just sick. You know, I, I'll find out if he is there today when I head over to Shark's Ice uh, a little later on. But uh, I don't think it's anything to be too worried about. The coaching staff doesn't seem too worried about it. But, you know, he is he's looking to make uh, make an impression on the coaching staff. And I think, you know, any, any missed time certainly doesn't help him. But uh, I still think he's going to get, you know, his fair share of looks uh, as camp goes on. I mean, I think I think he's just he's a he's a player that, has earned that and the organization thinks really highly of Doug Wilson even, you know, threw him a shout out in his opening press conference. So I, I don't think it's anything to be too worried about, although your, your ears uh, definitely perk up a little bit or your eyes perk up a little bit when you, you know, you're at the practice and you don't see him out there. So I'll, I'll try and get confirmation on that today. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, as someone who's watched the uh, Sharks hockey for more than five years, even I've never had a three day hangover. So I think that we could pretty much wipe <laughs> that one off the, uh, I feel pretty good. We're, we're, we're good there. So hopefully it's just nothing too serious sickness-wise and that he gets, gets well soon and gets back on the ice. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. I guess first, I mean, was there any, anything else particularly that, that stood out either from the game last night or from, from training camp uh, in, in general? Uh, you know, we're now, what, to, to, Jesus, two weeks away from uh, uh, opening night at SAP Center against the Kings. And I don't know about you, I'm ready-ish. Uh, so is there anything, you know, again, in particular that has stood out to you over the past week or so? It's, it's, it's kind of been a weird camp. Uh, not only has it been, you know, kind of weird to be in, there in a press situation, there's, there's that, but, um, beyond that, it's just, there's so many guys missing, you know, it's, it started to get a little more normal yesterday. Jonas Donskoy and, and Joe Pavelski returned, but you know, it's, it's, it's honestly kind of felt with, you know, with so few of those guys back, it's almost more felt like they've been going through informal skates almost. I mean, there's, you know, you go in the locker room after the practice and like half the guys are missing that not only for the nature of 
splitting up the groups at camp, but because, you know, five guys are still still at the World Cup of Hockey, and I think, you know, they're, they're not very concerned about four of those guys reintegrating into the lineup, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Michael Bodker adjusts. He has played for Pete DeBoer before in junior. Uh, I think, and I believe he played for him in Kitchener. DeBoer said he played for him when he was 17 or 18. I'm not sure if he coached him much longer. Um, but I, I wonder about what his adjustment rate is going to be because, you know, he's, he's a little bit behind the eight ball here. And, you know, I think Bodker's 26 years old, so the last time DeBoer coached him was eight years ago. You can be familiar with a coach, but, you know, that might take some time to adjust to his systems. We saw how it took the Sharks time last season to to really get consistent within, you know, Pete DeBoer's system. And that, you know, obviously there were injuries that came in the way. So I think that's something to watch. I think it's going to feel a little more normal as some of the uh, the big guys get back. But I think they've enjoyed having those guys gone in a way because it's given them a chance to really evaluate uh, some, of them, some of their young players and, you know, put them in a position that they might not have been otherwise in training camp. Sure. Well, I mean, in fairness, if uh, Nick Spalling is any indication, uh, Pete DeBoer's love for guys who coached in junior does go deep. Yes, not, very That's deep. not a surface-level thing. Uh, right, yeah, I know that that's kind of a big thing. I guess we should talk about that real quick. Uh, team Canada beat uh, Team Europe 3-1 last night in game one of the best of three World Cup of Hockey finals. Uh, I watched – a very small amount of the game and uh, Canada did what Canada does. Uh, No Sharks scored last night. So I I care even less than usual. Uh, This has been a, you know, I think a a nice tournament for some of the Sharks, like, especially I think for a guy like Logan Couture that has really wanted to be a part of this group for a long time. Uh, You know, while I don't really care all that much about this tournament or quite frankly, international hockey in general, I know that this is a thing that he's, you know, was definitely pretty, pretty excited about, uh, I know you touched on the the Kalbacher thing, and I think that's actually kind of one of the biggest bummers of this whole tournament is that not only is he not, you know, training with the Sharks, he's also not playing in the World Cup of exactly. Hockey at all. I don't think he's seen the ice a single time since it's actually started. And it's like, well, Jesus, if you're going to steal our guy, then at least play him. Otherwise, you know, maybe it's time to, to, to send him home so he can at least get some, get some ice time. That's pretty brutal. Uh, that would but, probably be the biggest concern for me, too, is that he hasn't played at all. Right. Yeah, just no. I mean, and it's one thing. Obviously, I'm sure he's. It's not like he's not practicing, whatever. But it's just not the same as having, you know, uh, something at least resembling game game speed. Obviously, uh, so that's that's kind of concerning to me. Uh, the good news is that uh, come tomorrow night, this tournament's going to be over as Canada wipes the floor <laughs> with Europe again, and then we'll be it'll be done, and we'll be able to get back to normal. Uh, so yeah, that's tomorrow at five o'clock on. ESPN 2, I want to say. One of the ESPNs. Uh, I've clearly really prepared for this segment. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's on me. All right, so let's see. I was just going to check in to see if we had any questions while we were on here. All right, we got one. Uh, all right, we already kind of addressed the, the most realistic thing with my roster. Okay, the other one. What other guys could you see being called up during the season? I know we already mentioned guys, or you did, obviously, like um, – the Mirko Mueller's and Nikolai Goldovans of the world. Is there anyone else that falls in that category, that kind of like, uh, you know, 24th guy on the roster or whatever that you think has a chance of getting called up this year? I think uh, Barkley Goudreau for sure. Uh, I I think, you know, they might want to go with Ryan Carpenter uh, as well with the experience. But, I, I you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how LeBanc plays and if he plays against NHL players. But, you know, 
playing as, as you pretty much called them the Utica Comets last night. He looked really, really good. Uh, if he can adjust quickly to the uh, to the to the AHL and the pro game, I think there's a really good chance we can see him up uh, sooner rather than later. You know, DeBoer mentioned last night that he's an offensive machine, basically, and he, he generates a lot of offense. So if the Sharks lose one of their scorers and, you know, Goldobin's already up for it, LeBanc's playing better than Goldobin. I, I would not be surprised to see if we see uh, Kevin LeBanc in limited action. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, from the guys that played last night, I think, as I said, DeMello, Mueller, uh, Barkley DeDroe, Goldobin, definitely can get called up. Um, I'm not sure if, if – you know, if Meyer, if he if he doesn't make the team, does he have to get sent back to junior? Because I, I think he's 20, but I don't know if he's too old for the overage or if he's just the right age for the overage. Because I know he's only played – three stage CHL seasons. He's another guy uh, that I think could be up and down. Uh, I'm hoping that because of, you know, how many skill guys I just mentioned, that that's the last we see of, you know, Michael Haley and John McCarthy on the, on the Barracuda and the shark shuttle. But, you know, I think those guys could also have a chance of getting called up as needed. Their veteran presence is Pete DeBoer seems to trust them. Although he did, you know, turn away from using them once the Sharks got healthier down the stretch last season. So I think and there's a lot of skill in the AHL that could get called up. I mean, DeBoer said that this team is much deeper talent-wise than it was last season. So I think that kind of speaks really well to the organizational depth and uh, how much DeBoer trusts that day. Yeah, I mean, I think there are obviously a couple of things there. Guys like, uh, you know, the Michael Haley's of the world are going to be in the you're on your AHL team pretty much forever just as an insurance policy. I know the Penguins last night uh, dressed Tom Sestito, and that's the oh, guy that's going to play in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. And it's just, you know, that's a team that, I mean, you look at the way they're constructed, and that's a smart team, a good team that knows what it's doing. And, listen, if the Pittsburgh Penguins are uh, going to, keep Tom Sestito around, then you can bet the Sharks are going to keep around a guy like Michael Haley. It's, uh, yeah. it's just the way it is. That's welcome to the NHL. Uh, as such, uh, I do think, though, that the Barracuda are actually going to be pretty darn good this year. I know they were kind of meh last year, not yeah. a lot of super exciting guys, but, I mean, this year, uh, go to a Barracuda game. That's That should be a pretty good time. There's a lot of great skill guys on that team. The offense should be awesome. And there's what? a 50-50 chance that you'll get to see an actual male model wearing a baseball hat for the entire game. So that, <laughs> if that's not a fringe benefit, I don't know what it is. I think I just As, did a pretty uh, good sell on Twitter Barracuda. last night, Steel. Oh, wow, that's pretty good. All right, we should right? make it. I know. All right, I'm, hang on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go work on that right now. Uh, okay, <laughs> so I think, I think we have everything covered for now. All right. So, uh, like Marcus mentioned earlier, he will be at training camp today, so expect some news and notes on that, hopefully some news on, on Timo Meyer. Hopefully he'll be back at training camp today. Uh, and, yeah, so, okay, so until then, you can follow uh, Fear the Fin on Twitter at Fear the Fin. You can follow me on Twitter. That's at Jake Sundstrom. And Marcus on Twitter at Marcus P. White. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of stories on the site right now, fearthefin.com encourage you to check those out and kind of see where the team is at at this point. And uh, we'll do this again soon. Marcus, I appreciate it. This is very fun, Jake. Let's do it again. All righty. Adios. Later. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.